0: Well, in May of 2022, a draft opinion was leaked from the Supreme Court of the United States indicating that they were going to overturn Roe. Well, this is going to have major implications for the United States, but it's going to have significant implications for the church. We want to talk about how the church should react in light of Roe being overturned. We'll discuss that and more on this episode of The Unapologetic Show. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the man apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Now, there are several things that this decision could change. But before we get to some of that content, I just wanted to remind you that if you're checking us out on the radio, we would love for you to head on over to our YouTube channel to watch this video again. Like it. While you're there, subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the notification bell. We're looking to try to get to 100,000 subscribers before the end of 2022. And you can be part of us reaching that goal. Also, I'd like to mention that this. Uh, show is, is listener supported. That we can't do this without your help, and so we would love for you to partner with us in trying to reach our goal of raising twenty five thousand dollars before the end of twenty twenty two. And you can do that by heading on over to uh, one minute com and clicking on donate. We would love for you to join our financial support team and help us reach those two goals. So with that out of the way, Bobby, let's talk about. Um, just this, this major significant leak that happened. Yeah. And it could be a major change in our uh, culture. There were some recent studies that were done that indicated that not a lot of people have a clear understanding of what the Supreme Court reversing Roe would actually mean. So I think we need to start there to say, if the Supreme Court follows through with this draft opinion and overturns Roe, what is that exactly going to mean for the United States?
1: Yeah, first off, I would say that it's just shocking that this document Got leaked. It's tragedy, and there obviously needs to be some further investigation uh, along with accountability. Uh, We just can't have that kind of a leak taking place. And then my heart goes out to, uh, you know, people like Kavanaugh, who, you know, you're talking like death threats, uh, getting outside the justice's house, uh, yelling, screaming uh throwing temper tantrums uh this stuff needs to be called out Big time, uh, even by uh, pro-choice people, yep. they need to say this is unacceptable. Uh, I would say the same thing if we were in a position where they were reaffirming, uh, you know, uh, Roe, and it looked like th- that whole thing uh, came down the opposite way. That hey, we're just going to keep this in place with Roe v. Wade. I would have a problem if I saw, you know, pro-life people outside of the liberal justices' home and death threats. I- I would say you, we can't operate that way. Definitely. So it really bugs me uh, how childish and how immature, and, and we don't let people have their voice. We don't let people have their opinions. So now this particular individual who wants to threaten the life of a Kavanaugh, so oh, so what? Kavanaugh doesn't deserve to have an opinion in life. He doesn't deserve to be alive uh, because of that. This stuff is so wheels off in our culture. It's problematic. Now, as it relates to your point, uh, in the event that uh, we see uh, this overturning of uh, Roe, what would end up happening is it's going to get kicked back to the states. And so uh, you have a lot of different states uh, that are going to have various opinions. And it's amazing that we are so diversified with 50 states on this opinion. Uh, you can look at certain states in the South that are going to be much more pro life. Uh, They're going to have laws immediately that are going to go into trigger effect mm-hmm. that would preserve the life of the unborn. But then you got places like California, uh, that where I grew up, and it's just completely wheels off there. You've got, uh, you know, no. No parental notification. You can get abortions into the second and third trimester. And so all of this is so problematic. In fact, when you think of our country, it's almost hard when you think about how divided we are, what a future looks like as the United States, it's right. almost like you could see how we could spawn off into a couple countries within this country yeah. at some point. Uh, I'd love to see us unify, but man, this is tough.
0: Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I even heard that California is looking at ways to uh, provide funding for people to come from other states to California to be able to get an abortion. There's several companies that are adding that into their healthcare benefits. That if yeah. you live in a state that does have one of these trigger laws and abortion. Is illegal in your state that you can apply for funding to be able to go to another state. So yeah, it's there's a wide variety of of topics and opinions throughout the United States on what that would look like. But either way, you're right; it would not necessarily make abortion immediately illegal in all 50 states. So I think that's a a helpful clarification. Thank you for that. Uh, One of the other things that I think it's important for us to talk about right at the top of the show is what pro life means. I think one of the things that is often kind of lobbed at Christians is that we vote pro-life, we call ourselves pro-life, but then people will look at us and say, yeah, but you, you vote against a lot of these policies that seem to reduce abortions, things like universal healthcare or things like uh, universal access to contraception or things like, um, you know, helping uh, young mothers and families with welfare and stuff like that. So l- let's, let's specifically define what we mean when we're talking about pro-life politically, What what's the pro-life kind of position, if you will?
1: Well, I mean, as Christians, when we're, Talking pro-life in terms that we are, you know, passionate about seeing that child that was conceived in a womb, uh, you know, come to fruition and have an opportunity to live the life that uh, it was created to live. Yeah, we don't stop that process through abortion. Uh, There is some fair points that people can make as it relates to sometimes we can get so myopic that we're focused on maybe one issue and we forget how. Well, maybe we need to be supportive in some ancillary areas as well. That is also life-giving. And, uh, you know, that's a larger conversation where we step back and we think through, you know, well, what does it look like um, for contraception help? Or what does it look like for welfare help? And this creates a whole new list of argumentation. Yeah. Uh, my, my fear at times, though, is you'll hear the statement, you know, we care about life from the womb to the tomb. Uh, But then you'll hear maybe more of an emphasis on some of these ancillary issues and uh, people will go off and they'll vote for candidates that are clearly pro-choice and then that can be confusing. So when it comes to having something like contraceptions as a value maybe toward pro-life that some might have, I'm not even giving my opinion here on that, Uh, and you couple that with, well, abortion. Uh, clearly, uh, there there is a trajectory of importance here on some of these matters, and that's where you see pro life advocates. They're just so passionate about that. But I do think sometimes um, there could be, you know, such an insistence that people can have that they miss opportunities. To maybe show that they are passionate for life outside of the womb, for maybe the mother who is pregnant, helping mm-hmm. them make good decisions, helping them think through other things, so that uh, the the decision is much more multifaceted. I think for some people, but I would say fundamentally, for me, I am pro-life. I believe that it's important that we do whatever we can to help that uh, child inside the womb to come outside the womb to have an opportunity for life Uh, but i also think that we can open our eyes to listening more carefully how maybe why is it that there's people that are they'll say they're pro-life but then they'll go vote for candidates that are pro-choice, it makes me think, okay, well, they're obviously a contradiction there. but maybe there's some things that we need to listen to yeah. that we're missing. Uh, you know, to your point, like how do we maybe help people that feel like we can't afford to bring this baby to fruition? Right. Uh, what can we do to help people to feel confident that they can do that uh, so that they don't uh, go and abort the baby. So maybe in a way you're being pro-life when you figure out a way to financially help somebody that feels so impoverished that they feel like this is their only choice. Yeah. We have to think through different levels here.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And again, for anybody that's interested, we do have a video with uh, pro-life apologist, Josh Brahm on our channel who kind of lays out some of the arguments in more detail and, and kind of defines those things. I think a little bit more, I'll put that in the description of this video. So if you're checking out on the radio, another great reason to head on over to, to our YouTube channel and check out this video, so we want to spend a little bit of the remainder of our time in this show uh, talking just a little bit more, kind of on a personal level, and kind of um, just maybe help Christian leaders and churches and Christians just think through what the implications might be. And I want to look at a survey that was done recently. This survey was sponsored by CareNet and the research group Life uh, LifeWay, and it found that seventy percent of women who had an abortion self-identify as Christians, while forty-three percent say that they attend church at least once per month or more at the time that they aborted their child. Uh, One more statistic here, and then I want to get your thoughts on some of this. Uh, The study also indicated that as a majority of Christian churches do not support abortion, that only 7% of women said that they discussed their abortion decision with anyone at the church, while 52% said no one in their church knew about their abortion. Additionally, 76% of them say that the church had no influence on their decision to go through with the abortion. So, Bobby, looking at these numbers, where do you think the church has gone
1: wrong? You know, I mean, there's a lot of churches that I would say have done a great job you know valuing life and trying to keep the importance of you know life beginning at conception and coming alongside and partnering uh, with pregnant mothers uh, and helping them out so there's there's a lot of churches that I do think have been passionate. I think that there are some churches they just stay silent on mm-hmm. on cultural issues as it relates to pro-life as it relates to the LGBTQ, uh, as it relates to religious pluralism it's almost like they just stay silent and that is a problem. I think that sometimes churches uh, can send shaming messages like I think there is a question that we all have to ask like, um, our, is our church a safe culture? So if somebody is pregnant, um, have we created a culture in which people can come and dialogue and not feel shamed? Mm. Uh, you know, but I also think that they, that if somebody is pregnant, um, we, that the pregnant person, um, you know, and I'm thinking pregnant people, right? right, right, the pre- right. Well, you know, we know that I'm not saying pregnant people, right, right, right. Uh, but a woman is a person. A is pregnant, so, uh, But the, the woman that is pregnant in this situation, she can't feel just because she's challenged, she's being shamed. Mm. So sometimes people feel like um, they're shamed just because somebody's challenging them. Yeah. Um, and that's not always the case. And so I think that we need to look for strategic moments where we can remind people of the fact that we welcome you into our community for a conversation and I think that can go a long ways but yeah. yeah yeah
0: I think you're exactly right and I think there are uh, you, you said you wanted to share some a personal story I think you know we're coming up here on that but I, I again I think creating that environment of the church where if people are there that they feel safe to talk to somebody even if that's a small group leader or someone that they're in relationship with a woman's pastor or or whatnot that they can have at least a conversation with And that there is kind of a general sense of we're educating on the pro-life issues. We're educating on not just the pro-life arguments, but how we can continue to grow um, our ministry to people that may be in that situation, even outside the walls of the church. So if somebody inside the walls of the church finds themselves in a position, they kind of know where to go and they know that the church is, is still supporting
1: some of that. So did you want to take an opportunity and kind of share a little bit of your story there? Yeah. I mean, uh, I know for me, you know, again, I feel really passionate honestly as a as a person about pro life. And the some of this ha- has personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um I got a girl pregnant when I was 17. I was a senior in high school and I can remember the news, you know, hearing I'm pregnant mm-hmm. and you know, my stomach dropped. I didn't know the Lord. Uh, I was, you know, a big partier. My life was a mess. And I can remember having to go through a whole host of feelings at that time, um, trying to think through this on one side. I didn't want to be this harsh guy uh, to my girlfriend at the time and just say, this is what you're going to do. So I, yeah, I just kind of remember going through a process of, well, what do you think? And, uh, you know, on on one side, uh, my feelings at the time were, um, man, I, I am in no place to be a dad. Yeah, uh, I I am irresponsible. Um, I I do not want to tell my parents. I, what will my parents think of right. me? So maybe some people worry about the shame in the church. At that time, I was thinking, my goodness, you know what would my parents say? And I, th- I would say on one side that there's a lesson there that we never want uh, our kids thinking that they could make decisions uh, that would, you know, cause them to not feel like they can open up to us. We want to keep that line of communication. Yeah. Uh, and my parents, you know, we have a great relationship. Uh, I have a great relationship with them today. And I know that if they knew that was something burdened to me, they would have hated that. At the same token, that was some of my parents' generation, the culture. You come mm-hmm. home with an earring, uh, you, you, you don't come home at all, <laughs> right, right? Right, uh, right? So that kind of stuff created some secretive living, I think, yeah. for people that were Gen Xers. But all that to say, I ended up in a position where, uh, you know, we talked and she went ahead and gotten an, an abortion. Mm. And she was probably 13, 14, 15 weeks in. She went to Stanford Medical Center. Uh, and I remember during the day while this was happening, I wasn't there with her, her parents were, but I can remember how I felt on my inside that something is just off. Mm. I wasn't a Christian, but I just remember feeling like I was doing something wrong. Really wrong that there was a that there was a a child uh, of mine that was being aborted, hmm. and I uh, showed up at her house after the abortion, and that was very awkward for me to knock on the door of her home and to have her parents, you know, invite me in. And she was laid out uh, on a pullout couch, uh, you know, recovering from yeah. the surgery. Uh, and it was traumatic for me to see her that way, to have to base her parents, uh, to not tell my own mom and dad about it for a while. Uh, this this was painful, yeah. so much so that even with Heather, we were dating when I met her, and I was an open book, Tim. I shared with her so much about my life, uh, talked to her about my party past. She would go to uh, recovery meetings with me. Uh, for some reason, I just couldn't... Get this out, yeah. Uh, and we had been dating for about a year and a half before I told her mm. about getting a girl pregnant who had an abortion. Wow! And I almost lost her on that. Yeah. Uh, she just felt like how How do you not tell me this? And she had to process that. And thank God she ended up, uh, you know, forgiving me, and we ended up getting married. Um And, you know, I just feel that there's a lot of people out there, men and women, that they need to be able to have a place to express Because I'd say women carry a lot of guilt and yeah. so do guys though I mean, yeah. uh, they didn't carry the child, but they're still, uh, you know, they're still a parent in this process right. that made that decision And they have to deal with that and so Lord willing, if anybody's out there, they can know that God can comfort them and help them. And if you're out there and you're pregnant and you're thinking about getting an abortion, just want to encourage somebody to know that there's other options. Yeah,
0: well, thank you so much for sharing that story. I think that's great for our audience to hear that uh, you know you have a, a real personal connection with us. You've come out on the other side of your relationship with Jesus and able to look back at that and evaluate kind of what went on. So I really appreciate uh, you sharing that. Um, so talk to us in, in light of that, in that situation, as you're thinking back what 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 are some advice that you give? What's some advice that you would give for churches and church leaders on how maybe you would have liked to have been approached if you were in a in a body or you were connected to a church or something yeah. like that? How would you how would you have liked them to approach you?
1: Yeah. Um. So, golly, you know it's tough because I here I was, you know, I went to high school in Northern California, an hour south of San Francisco, so not the most conservative uh, part of our country, yeah. yeah. And so I had a very liberal mindset, mm. but I still knew something was just off. I think that what churches can do uh, are things like the following: um, have having classes, like maybe. Like, you know, we're talking about launching our Discipleship University where um, they have like a Sunday school class or, you know, a seminar. Maybe once a year. That is informational. Mm. That helps people to understand that life does begin in the womb, and 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 you could go to some of the biblical data on this. We think about Psalm one thirty nine that we're fearfully and wonderfully yeah. made, and that he that he knit us together. We can think about some of the absurdities that, like for example, uh, you know, uh, somebody in our culture today, Tim, uh, they could be driving to get an abortion and yet get hit by a drunk driver on the way to the clinic. And then that drunk driver, rightfully, right is, is busted, but he could be charged for uh, a murder as well if the baby died and the mother lived. Uh, and now he's going to do time for being a murderer, but had the woman not got swiped by the drunk driver, right. she could have parked into a parking lot and made... The intentional decision to abort the child, right. and it, 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 and now she's okay. So on yeah. um, one side, you see our law, it's fuzzy, like it it it'll prosecute uh, somebody in a, a particular situation, like I mentioned, as taking a life, uh, and so we don't we don't see how inconsistent we are. We're a weird culture. We get passionate about drinking through paper straws and wearing a mask, but then it's okay in the third trimester to abort a child. Right. Uh, so people, mor- morality's got to show up somewhere. So I think educating, I think um, sharing stories of people who mm. have been through that, like what I just did. Yeah. I think uh, coming alongside the moms and dads um, that have kids and giving them a strategy, hey, in the event that your kid ever gets pregnant, yeah. let them know that you're accessible and let them know that you're here um, learning about adoption as an alternative option, yeah. I think that that would have been the smart move on my part back then, yeah. though I don't think I was in any place to be a parent. I still think somebody else could have been a parent that could have raised uh, you know, our child in that situation. Yeah, yeah I mean, you talk about adoption. I heard some statistics, uh, particularly out of Texas.
0: They said that if the uh, Roe v. Wade gets overturned, their trigger law will go into effect and something like 50,000 abortions or so a year happen. And that just means that you know tens of thousands Thousands of uh, people will be potentially waiting for uh, to get adopted, yeah. and so what can churches do to help facilitate that process? It's an expensive process. You yeah. know, somewhere between twenty-five and fifty thousand dollars sometimes, um, and just letting the. Uh, Again, the the potential people that are in that situation, the couples that are in that situation, to help them say, we'll help walk with you through this. Maybe it's starting a a group fund to help fund uh, adoptions for people that are in the church or to help uh, you know move that along
1: uh, down the road. And I'm also skeptical of why it is so much money. I mean, because obviously the woman that was pregnant, she gives birth, the medical insurance is going to cover the cost of the pregnancy. So why all of a sudden now, because the child's transferred into the hands of the government, is it gonna cost twenty five to fifty thousand dollars? To- to adopt this child. I think there needs to be some kind of a look at what kind of policies are we put in place right. that are making it that expensive. So while you're right, the church can come along, we can raise funds, we could do things, but my goodness, the fact that we have to come up with that much money, we need to figure out a way to make adoption a lot cheaper. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, and I think that brings up a really good point of, uh, I think one of the other things that the the church can do is to be, uh, again, politically minded in the sense that this is going to move to a local level. We've been so Concerned just as a nation with our kind of uh, national politics, right? Yeah. And we kind of like, oh yeah, like well, I, just, I pay attention to the local every once in a while or my state elections. I think this puts a lot more emphasis for Christians, particularly, on uh, what's going on at their local level that they're electing people that are looking at, you know, changing the laws uh, for the pro-life position at a local or state level. So, talk to us a little bit about, um, you know, how, how politically minded we need to be in in the states.
1: Well, I mean, I do think that it's going to be an opportunity. There's going to be an opportunity in the event that this is overturned, uh, that uh, there's going to be some states that are going to, uh, you know, like California, for example, I don't see much. I think that that's just going to be kind of, like you said, uh, the, Hey, we'll pay for you to fly out right. here, uh, you know, and you can get your abortion. Um, you're going to have other states that like in Oklahoma or some other places that are going to be much, uh, you know, stricter with some of the trigger laws. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have some in-between states yeah. where, man, people's voices and and votes are going to really, really matter yeah. uh, big time. And so uh, I would say... Regardless of whether you live in an Oklahoma or a California, we still need uh, to vote our values as Christians. That's very important. Uh, But... It might feel a little bit more frustrating if you're in California, like your vote's going to make a difference, uh, <laughs> compared to if you're living in maybe a state like Missouri. Yeah. So yeah. all that to say, uh, you know, I, I I think the church, it's okay for us to to vote our values. Mm-hmm. We should vote our values. There's nothing wrong with being politically astute, knowing what's going on. Uh, we don't believe that the government's the hope of the world. We believe the church is. Right. But we shouldn't, uh, you know, afford ourselves to, to not see the opportunities that can be presented Mm -hmm. to us by just being involved in using our votes wisely
0: excellent point excellent point
1: well i think that's a great place to wrap it up
0: uh as you the listener uh, i hope you enjoyed this episode of the unapologetic show and i hope this gave you some things to think about Uh, maybe you agreed with us maybe you disagreed with us but you can let us know in the comments we would love to hear from you at the bottom of this video on our youtube channel and with that we will meet you next time on the unapologetic show You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise.